Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by one of our elders, Pastor Mike Wiley. We pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched by these words of wisdom. Thank you. God bless. Wow, Brady. Thank you. Those are humbling words, and they're very meaningful words, and I thank you. Well, we have a love relationship, don't we? We've had it for a long, 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 long time. I want to echo what uh, Pastor Brady said. Uh, praise team, wow, y'all brought it today. Took us into the throne room, and I just thank, I'm so thankful for y'all and thankful for your leadership in those heavenly things of God as we, as we praise him. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, my wonderful wife of 53 years, close to 54 in August, if God allows us to do that, uh, she always prayed before my messages, and today is no different. So, honey, would you please stand and bless this message before we begin? Yes. Amen. Thank you, my love. Well, again, I welcome you in the precious and wonderful and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to this service this morning. I, it, I don't know what it was this morning, but everything just kind of felt electric to me this morning, yeah. and it's the presence of, of the Lord, and I'm just so thankful uh, for his presence as he, as he moves in and out and amongst us. Um, you know, Brady, as he was, as he was sharing... And he, he mentioned reje- rejection, and I thought about the message I'm going to bring is between the spirit and the flesh. And I thought that's one of those things of the flesh that we feel, is it not? So I thought that, w- that melded right in to, um, to my message this morning. I want to start with a foundational uh, scripture before we move actually into the scriptures. We're going to be in, uh, we're going to be in Romans and Galatians, but I want to start with Colossians. So if you'll turn in your Bibles very quickly to Colossians 3, 2. This is a particular scripture that I use all the time. It's one that, that kind of is part of my soul. And it is because I fail so much. And I have this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Amen. Does anybody else, can anybody else identify with that? Yeah. Isn't it easy? Isn't it great to worship the Lord in church? Then we walk out there and the attack begins, Right? Well, Colossians 3, 2, it's the foundational, uh, like I said, passage. And it says this, set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I can't tell you how many times I use that because my mind wanders. I see something I'm not supposed to see. I think something I'm not supposed to think. These, these uh, circumstances come into my life and, I, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going to set my mind on you not on things of the earth. Why? Because my mind on you is the spirit, but down here, it's the flesh that we have to deal with. Amen? 
Now, Paul was very well aware of this, so if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 7, we're going to be in Romans 7 and 8. Romans 7 and 8. Now, we'll start at verse 15 of the book of Romans chapter 7. And Paul here is talking about the great struggle that he has with himself. And it's a struggle that we all identify with. Every one of us in here struggle with this. Marianne, you're going to like this because I'm going to get around. I'm going to talk about the flesh. Marianne, I've had a lot of talks. She's going to understand when I get into this message. A lot of talks about the flesh and the spirit. So we're getting there, Marianne. So you just hang in there, okay? All right, Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. I'm going to read 15 through 25. We'll be in 8, but I won't read it. Uh, But we'll be all in 8, and then we're going to go to Galatians. So this is what Paul says to the Roman church in verse 15. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I'd like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Does it sound familiar? But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. Verse 17. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. Underline that. Sin, sin which indwells me. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. But the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I wish. Verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it. Very important, very important. But the sin that dwells in me. Verse 21. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Verse 23. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. And may God be praised in the reading of his word. We have this, as long as we're alive, we're going to have this struggle, aren't we? You know, Philippians 2.2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, We know we're saved when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart and that spirit enters us. We know at that point that God has saved us. That's a one-shot deal, right? But I'm working it out the rest of my life. I'm not perfect. There was only one perfect, and we put him on a cross. So I am working through this process. Paul says this. Paul, most notably probably the greatest apostle of the New Testament, says, man, it's killing me. I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. I do the things that I'm not supposed to do. Oh, wretched man that I am. But he, there's some keys in here. And I want you to understand, and we're going to kind of try to separate all this, because we have the sin of the flesh and the spirit of the living God. This is flesh. 1 John 4, 4, the second part says what? Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. So we've got this battle, this struggle between the flesh and between the spirit that lives deep inside of us. 
And this is what Paul is trying to explain. And, and I think it's so important that we understand this as believers. Because he says, I, I, don't, I don't understand what I'm doing here. He said in verse 17, sin which indwells me. Now, here's where Mary Ann and I have had discussions. Mary Ann, you know I love you. 1 John 1, 9. Bring it, sister. Cleanse us all unrighteousness. There you go. There you go. We've got this flesh we're dealing with. But look here. I've confessed my sin before the Father. He now lives in me. I am now cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now, the problem we get into, and we've got to be very, very careful about this, is we can't make an excuse for ourselves between the flesh and the spirit. In fact, if you want to flip over very, very quickly to Romans chapter 6, I'm going to touch on this because I think this is important. The question is asked, shall we continue in sin because of this thing called grace? He says, what shall we say then? Chapter 6, verse 1. Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And that's the key. My favorite scripture verse in the world is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what? He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I'm new in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the sin that I do in the flesh is I'm not held accountable for. Because I live, I am righteous before God. Unless I let that sin overtake me. Unless I go back into that sin. I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God. And those of you who love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're the righteousness of God. Now, the problem that we get into, has anyone in here heard of Gnosticism and Gnostics? Yeah, it, they, that, was a, that was a group. If they're still around today. They started uh, during the time of the apostles, and they had a lot of crazy stuff. But here's what they said, and here's where we have to be careful. They said that the flesh, of the, and the, the sin in the flesh is separate from the spirit. Therefore, I can do anything I want to in the flesh because my spirit is protected. That's heresy, folks. The Bible doesn't teach that. I can't do anything that I want to. I am righteous before God, but that doesn't mean that I get a green card to go do anything that I want to do. Why? Because I am under, the law is still sitting out there. The law is our tutor. It tells us what we can and can't do. We live under grace, but we can't do away with the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so he's the fulfillment of that law. The thou shalt, the thou shalt not, and then all of those other laws, rabbinical laws that were given uh, so that we know how to live our lives. And so as we're, as we're dealing with all this, we've got to understand that we are forgiven of our sins. We are the righteousness of God, but it does not give us an excuse to sin. And therein lies the problem. I remember many, many years ago, I was talking to a gentleman. I worked with him. And, you know, he, he was a good guy, really a good guy. But I, he never went to church, and I never heard him talk about, you know, about his relationship with the Lord. And I wasn't judging him, but we began to talk one time. And I said, I just asked him, I said, brother, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And he said, I sure am. I said, really? He said, yeah, I took care of that a long time ago. 
I said, oh? Oh, yeah. He said, yeah, when I was a kid, I walked down the aisle. I confessed Jesus as my Savior. I was baptized. I'm good to go. He never darkened the door of church again. That's not the idea of what it means to be born again, folks. This is not, as I said, this is not a one-shot deal. This is a life lived striving for the righteousness of God. Now, what happens when I do sin, when I do fail in the flesh? Yeah, my, my relationship is severed, isn't it? I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but my relationship, if my wife and I, I, you know, there's nobody in this world I love more than my wife. But if we get in an argument, <laughs> she's not my favorite person. I'm not her favorite person. What happens? The argument destroyed our relationship for that moment of time. We've got to go back to one another. We've got to apologize. We've got to ask for forgiveness to reestablish that relationship. And it's important that we learn to do that. So, so he says, you know, he says in verse 23 here, I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. And this is what happens to us sometimes. We, we love the Lord, but we, but we then begin maybe to sin or we do some things, and then we become a prisoner that we've created in our own jail of ourselves. We're a prisoner of those things that we do. I've counseled and talked to so many people, so many, so many couples that are married and so many individuals, and they're a, they're, they're a living prisoner in their sin. They just can't seem to forgive themselves. They can't seem to, oh, I've asked God to forgive, but I'm going to take it back. And so we've got to walk in freedom. Now, freedom, as Paul says in Galatians, our freedom shouldn't be turned into an opportunity of the flesh. Here we've got that flesh and spirit again. But we walk in freedom. We experienced some of that freedom this morning, didn't we? I mean, I heard y'all shouting to the Lord, giving the Lord a clap offering. Praise God. I love that. That is, that is just fantastic. Some of you laid down before the Lord. That's freedom in the Lord. But that freedom in the Lord doesn't give us an excuse to do what we want to do. And so Paul is trying to get that across, and he's saying, you know, I had the same problem that, that everybody has. And in chapter 8, as we, as we go down into chapter 8, we begin to get into this idea of sanctification, of, of being, uh, being holy before the Lord. Look what he says in verse 8. And a lot of you put 8-1 to memory. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am not condemned, and I'm not living under condemnation. Do I sin? My flesh, yes, yes. I, I have thoughts that sometimes are not good, see things are not good. But I go to my heavenly Father. Why? Because he doesn't condemn me. He knows me. He knows me better than anybody. So I am not condemned by him because I am in Christ Jesus. And all of us are in Christ Jesus if we have that personal relationship. He says in verse 3, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh of God, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That was an act of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross for you and I, Scripture says this. He took all, all of our sins. Do you realize that's past, present, and future? Can you imagine a spotless lamb taking on the, all of our sins? Oh, my goodness. When he looked up to heaven there at the last, his last seven words and said, My God, my God. 
Why have you forsaken me? God hadn't forsaken him, but Scripture says that God cannot look on sin, and his son became sin for you and I. I, I just get goosebumps just contemplating that. Wow. He loved us so much that he knew that the sin of the flesh was going to be our damnation. And, and, and Hebrews says the blood of bulls, of bulls and goats wasn't good enough. It just kind of pushed the sin forward, you know. But Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would satisfy a God who loved his creation, but his creation had walked away from him. His creation didn't want to love him. You know, you know what God really desires from you? I mean, truly, 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 you. That's what he desires. God loves you. You've heard me do this before, and this I thank Anna Jackson for this. God loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he... Are you getting it? It's nothing that you can do to make God love you. God loves you because he loves you. He created you. In Psalm 139, Scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are, I'm a creation of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so are you. And you know what? There's no one like you, and there's no one like me. God created us to be independent and to look independent. But all he wants from us is our hearts, our devotion for us to, you know, you know why all those commandments and things were written? Keep us out of trouble. If I didn't have all those things, I need, a, I need a guide. And knowing all those things, sometimes I need a guide. God did that because he loves me. He wants me to protect. He wants me to be protected. Sometimes, though, I choose to live in the flesh. Why? Look at verse 5 of chapter 8 of Romans. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know what Jesus said in Luke 12, 34? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If my mind is on the flesh, I am an enemy of God. I'm an enemy. Because he's a holy God. And he's holy, and he expects me to be holy. But if my mind is set on the flesh, and we're living, we're living in the most blessed country in the world. Did you know that? We, Candy and I, and a number of you, well, I've been on the mission field. I've seen how third world country people live. I've been in the huts. I, I've, I've, I've been with those that hadn't had a bath in God knows how long. I've been with those people. I've ministered to those people, and I know, I know that their, their whole deal is, is not what am I going to have in the bank or where, what fast food joint am I going to eat with. Theirs is, am I even going to eat today? So we are so blessed. In fact, if you want to know how blessed you are, go look out in the parking lot and see what everybody's driving. Now, there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's, there's anything wrong with having nice stuff. I'm, that's just the blessings of God. But what I am saying is when those things become more important, than our relationship with Creator God, we have got a serious problem. You know, there was a saying a long time ago which said, the one with the most toys, uh, the one who dies with the most toys wins. 
Let me tell you this. The one with the most toys who dies still dies. And we can't take that stuff with us. The only thing we can take with us is our faith and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, those with whose minds are set on the flesh are, are, are things of the flesh, but those of the Spirit are according to the Spirit. And then he says in, in uh, verse 6, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Do you wonder why sometimes we have no life and we have no peace? Because we're in the flesh. And the thing that follows flesh is death. The thing that follows the Spirit is life. Don't we all want to live in the joy and the life that God has created us for? The last two mornings or the last two days have been spectacular. They've just been wonderful. You walk outside and you see God's creation and, and you look around at the blessings of all we have and you go, oh, my gosh, God, you're such a wonderful father. And we need to live in that attitude, that attitude of praise and, and thanksgiving. But we get caught up in what? The flesh. Our flesh just wants to control us and keep us from the spirit. You know who C.S. Lewis is? The writer of the Chronicles? Yeah. You know what he said? He said, if Satan can't steal your soul, the next best thing he can do is make you sterile for the cause of Christ. And that's what he's trying to do. And that's why he wants us to live in the flesh and not in the spirit. In the flesh, he can attack us. In the spirit, he has no rights. Did you know that you have the authority, men in your household, to take authority? My pastor reminded me of that the other day. I was going through some stuff and having some trouble, and he mentioned that. He said, you know, I got to thinking about this situation, and I've got the authority. So I started walking in God's authority that day. We have that authority. Why? We're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit, and greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. So the creator God who created everything around us is in here. He gives you that authority. He gives you that power not to be misused, not to be taken into the flesh, but to be used for the purposes that he has in mind. Okay? He says again in verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostility toward God. It does not uh, subject itself to the law of God, for it is, even, is not even able to do so. If you go back and you trace that statement back to Romans 1, what you're going to find in Romans 1 is Paul is really goes on the attack on the culture. It's, it's, it's kind of mind-opening. He talks about, you know, about we worship the creature rather than the creator. He talks a lot about um, uh, relationships, and I, I don't think we have any kids in here. Do, yeah, we have some, so I won't go into that. But anyway, he gets to that point, and he says this. He says that if you stay in that flesh, he said God will give them over to a reprobate mind. You know what a reprobate mind is? It's a mind of the flesh. That's what it is. And when God gives us over to a reprobate mind, he says you want to act that way, you want to think that way, you want to believe that way, you've got free will. There you go. 
And I believe, now this is my own personal belief, I believe that when we've been given over to a reprobate mind, it's impossible for us to ever know God. Now, it's not impossible for God. It's impossible for us. Nothing's impossible with God. But when God gives us over to the flesh, completely over to the flesh, it's going to be mighty tough for us to make that turn. God's always there. But can we? And that's exactly what he's talking about here. The flesh is hostile toward God. Why? Because it's fueled by the fires of hell. Remember what, remember what uh, Satan said? I will ascend to the mountain of fire. I will walk on the stones that burn. I, 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 I. <clears throat> the flesh has its foundation in pride. The pride of life. Not the spirit of life. The pride of life. We've got to be so careful of that. It's wonderful to be in here and be with God's people and to praise him and to love him. <clears throat> and to worship him. But boy, when we walk out those doors, we're free game, aren't we? The mission field is out there. It says in verse 9, however, listen, believer, however, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God indwells you. Does the spirit of God indwell you? Does it? I mean, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Does the spirit of the living God indwell you? Is he part of you? See, I believe that when we become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no such thing as a conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. So if I expose myself to something I'm not supposed to see or do or think, I'm exposing the Holy Spirit of the living God to those same things. You ever think about that? When you look at those images or you think of those things or you do certain, you're taking that spirit that lives in you and you're exposing that spirit to those things of the flesh. We have to be careful. We have to be so careful of what we do and how we act and respond. And you know what? Just like Brady said, Brady, I so appreciate what you said. One of the greatest ministries that you have in your life is your impact on other people. Not just the little people, but people all around you. Well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Oh, contraire. Yes, you are. Because there's people watching you. Well, I don't go to church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites that go there. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're exactly right. But you go to Walmart. And you go to Kroger. And you go everywhere else. That's a poor excuse. Hypocrites are everywhere. But if we're the children of God then we have a responsibility to our God to look like children of God. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, I love that word, dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, his spirit, his spirit who indwells you. The spirit of God indwells us. He, he lives in us. He's, he's part of us. Now, with that thought in mind, I want you to flip over very quickly to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. This is going to be very familiar with a lot of you. Very, very familiar. Whoop. I dropped my stuff here. 
Okay, let's, let's begin in verse 16 of chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. Paul is talking to the church or the to Christians of Galatia, and he's talking about the relationship of the flesh and the spirit, beginning with verse 16. He says this. I, I want to read all through this, and I'll come back to it. But I say to you, walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. So that you, look at this, you may want to underline this, so that you may not do the things that you please. 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. He goes in then to a listing of of the deeds of the flesh, or at least a partial listing, the deeds of the flesh. And as we get to the second part of verse 21, he says, I have forewarned you that those who practice such things, what things? Deeds of the flesh shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But I'm a good old boy. That's good. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of good old boys and good old girls in hell right now because deeds is not what it's all about. It's about relationship. Then he goes into, in verse 22, about the fruit of the Spirit. We all know those. He says, against those things, there's no law. Then he says in verse 24, now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he makes this bold statement in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the the spirit do you know that if just the believers in this body right now if we practice this do you know we wouldn't just change parker county we change the world and i i'm i'm not pointing my finger at you i'm in the group with you too many times we find ourselves in the flesh have you ever noticed when when you have a an altercation and it can be in church it's your work, whatever. Have you ever noticed how quickly you revert to the flesh? You know why? Because you want to win. Unfortunately, we live in this generation where we got to win. We got to be number one. Or, or we've got to have an excuse and blame it on somebody else. It's not my fault. It's their fault that I did what I did. We got prisons full of that. We, 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 we have, Candy and I are involved in some prison ministries and uh, Claude and Anna and, and uh, Marianne, there's several of us involved in these prison ministries. And I talk to these guys, and I, I'll guarantee you, every one of them I talk to are innocent. Every one of them. As I sit and talk to them, they're all innocent. They didn't do it. It was because of somebody else. That sounds like a believer trying to justify walking in the flesh, doesn't it? Well, I did this because. I can remember one time when our kids were little bitty. You know, they... they they get a certain age, they just ask all these questions. And I was getting, I mean, just, and we, we were, they were, it was a back and forth type thing, and, and they did something. I don't remember which one of them. It's probably my daughter. probably wasn't my son. It's probably my daughter. She was the one that, she was the little terrorist in the house. And, and so I said, why did you do that? I just, why did you do that? She couldn't think of any other excuse, and she said, because of mama. She went directly to the one she loved the most, her mama, and blamed it on her mama. But don't we do that? Don't we do that when we're in the flesh? We want to blame them. Well, I did this because my wife made me so mad. 
Well, I did this because my husband is a jerk. Well, I did this because I can't control my kids. Well, I did this because my boss at work. No, no. If you were walking in the spirit, you'd know how to handle things, and you wouldn't revert automatically to the flesh. I say to you, if you walk in the spirit, you will not, you will not, you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. And that's what we have such a problem with. And, and I'm, you know, I, I feel like Paul up here. I, I'm a chief sinner amongst you all, you know, because I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. Because I have a lot of trouble with this. And anybody that says they don't, uh, they're, they're probably not telling the full truth. Why? Why do we have such a problem? In verse 17, he says, the flesh sets his desires against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And they are what? They're banging heads. They're in opposition to one another. And then he makes a statement in the bottom of 17 that's very, very difficult. Why? So that you may not do the things that you please. Isn't it hard to swallow pride? Isn't it hard to walk humbly? I mean, we can walk humbly before our God in this environment. But what about out there? What about out there when, when our peers make us angry or make us mad or, or just, just irritate the sound out of us? I always want to revert to the flesh. Why? Because I can't do the things I want to do. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 73. Next month, I'll be 74 years old. I think I've earned the right to do what I want to do. I'm old enough. Been down the road. My check engine light came on a long time ago, and it's still on. But I don't have the right to do what I want to do. I have the right what God tells me to do. I have the right to do what the Spirit leads me to do. But I have found in my walk with Christ, that many times I want to do what I want to do. Let me tell you a little real short story. Years ago, I wanted to, I was, I wanted to go full-time in the pastorate so bad I, I could just taste it. I was working at a job. I was working for Parker County. I was working full-time, and I was full-time pastor here, which really, small congregation, it, you really didn't have a lot of full-time stuff going on. But I just thought, oh, God, if I could just, God, I just... I just want to be a full-time pastor. I know you've called me into this. I want to be a full-time pastor. And I started making things happen where I could do that. It wasn't the Spirit. I wasn't being led by the Spirit. I started talking to the director of missions in Parker County at that time. Bob Tremaine was his name. Got him going, yeah, I think we can get you some money over here and blah, blah, blah over here. And I started, I was, boy, I was, I was getting all my ducks in a row and I was making all these plans. And I remember, uh, some of you know him, Danny Grisso. He was my associate pastor at that time. And we, I was talking to him and I was so excited because all the stars were coming into alignment. And I was going to be full time preaching on God. I was excited. And I remember talking to Danny, and I remember him looking at me. And, and of all the relationship and all the stuff that, the stuff that we said each other had, this was the thing that I remember most. I said, Danny, what do you think? When I told him my plan, he looked at me, smiled, and said, Preacher, I think you're pushing it. He could have doubled up his fist and hit me square in the face 
and it wouldn't have hurt any more than that. You know why? He made me look in a mirror. I took a step back after that statement, and rather than let my flesh rise up, I looked at what he said. Oh, God. I said, God, I'm sorry. He's right. This is not of you. This is of Mike Wiley. I'm making this happen, but it's not of you. So I pulled everything back because the Spirit told me to because the Spirit of another man told me what my flesh was doing. Folks, we've got to get to a point in our life where we're honest and where we let other people feed into us, not out of judgment, but out of correction. God will never give you a word of judgment through another individual. Never. He will give you a word of correction. And there's a huge difference. Not judging you, but correcting you. Now, you may go... Ooh, he hurt my poor little spirit. Good, that was the intention. But it was for correction. It was for a course correction. Like me, I got a course correction. And it was about two years later before God brought me on full time. What kind of damage would I have done had I moved into a full-time pastor in that two-year period? There's no telling what kind of damage I would have done. Because I would have been operating in the flesh. Although I thought I wasn't, I actually was. Do you see the importance of what we're talking about here? Do you see why we have to keep our mind on things above and not on things of the earth? You see why we have to walk in that spirit, in the fruits, in the giftings of the spirit, rather in the deeds of the flesh? They're in opposition. They're in war. And God sent his son so that you could live in freedom in him, not freedom in yourself. That's right. And we want to live in freedom. But we want to live in freedom the way we want to live in freedom. You can't tell me that. You're not the boss of me. You can't. He is. And if we walk in closely with our Lord, we will hear the spirit of the living God. He'll speak through us through his words. He'll speak through us in our spirit. He'll speak through us through others. And you'll know it. You know why? Because it will be a word that is designed to build you up and not tear you down. Be very cautious of someone that says, I have a word from the Lord from you about what I just said. That word should never tear you down. may correct you, but it will never tear you down. So, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. One last time, I'm going to ask you to turn to one verse in Galatians chapter 2, 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. This is, oh gosh, this is so important. <clears throat> A lot of you have this by memory. Scripture says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I, the flesh, who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this is flesh, I live by faith. The son of, and in the Son of God who loved me and who delivered himself up for me. I walk in the flesh. This is the flesh. <coughs> I live in the flesh. <coughs> the 
the sin that I do, I do in the flesh. But the spirit of the living God indwells me. And I'm the righteousness of God. So I have the right to take every thought captive, as 2 Corinthians says. Take every thought captive, (coughs) pardon me, and follow in obedience to Christ. So we have the opportunity to do that, don't we? I keep my mind on things above, (coughs) not on things of the earth. I take every thought captive (coughs) so that I may follow my Lord. Let me read you a quote and I'll be finished. This is from a man named John Newton. (coughs) Pardon me, I got a spot. (coughs) This is what he says. (coughs) I have this taped in my Bible. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am not what I used to be. Praise God. And I won't be in the fullness of what Christ has for me until this flesh dies and my spirit goes to be with him. Then I'll be made perfect, not through anything I've done, but through the blood of Jesus Christ because my faith is in him and in him alone. And that's where we stand. So, ladies and gentlemen, Let us walk in the spirit and not carry out the deeds of the flesh because you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you're made to live in fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and flesh will keep you from that relationship. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we just... Lord, what a wonderful morning in you. Father, we're just, we, we just, Scripture says in Psalms 37 that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Father, you, you've inhabited us this morning. Father, I pray that this word <clears throat> that was given out this morning will melt into our hearts and our minds and give us pause every time, Father, we get trapped in this thing called the flesh. And the sin that so easily entangles us, as Paul says. Father, we were saved to serve. We were not saved to sin. Help us, Father, to remember that that eternal truth. We tell you we love you. We tell you we praise you. We tell you that we will not give our souls to another. You are our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you gave yourself up for us so that we may live in the freedom of the Spirit of the living God. And it's in that Spirit and in that name of Jesus Christ that we pray all of these things. Amen.